Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Just a big hand clap. Wow, you're obviously mourning people. How many of you are ready for God to do something great in your life? Can you say amen? Lift your hands before you're seated. Father, I pray that this entire week and from this morning would be a major change of levels in every area of ministry and life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Give the Lord another great hand clap. You can be seated. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Isaiah. Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Isaiah 51, verse 1. Isaiah 51, 1, the Bible says, Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Now, I I know this is a camp meeting, not minister's conference, but there's a lot of ministers here. And of course, you have people who come up that need delivered or they need help. I, I need delivered. This is what the Bible gave for instruction. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah, in the King James, it says, who bare thee, and this one who gave birth to your nation. Listen to this. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a mighty nation. Everybody say a mighty nation. Abraham was one man, but when God got finished with him, I mean, not even finished. Halfway through, he had 318 trained soldiers that when kings wanted to go to war, they would say, would you come with us? He had a private military. He had, uh, he had flocks. He had wells. He had gold. He had silver. One man that was still living at home when he was in his 70s became a mighty nation before he ended. And so, well, let me show you why I'm telling you that. No, well, number one, Isaiah 51 said, if you want deliverance, consider where you come from. What's your DNA? You're born out of or into the family of God as the seed of Abraham. And so the problem is people consider themselves their nationality or whatever their family was. And, that, and you've never seen that more than the last 10 years in the body of Christ. You know, black leaders in the church, white leaders, that, that doesn't exist. I had somebody write, on, write to me on Facebook, how come you never talk about the problems between uh, the white church and the black church? I said, there is no white church and black church. There's just the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a black Jesus that's head of the black church and a white Jesus that's head of the white church. There's just Jesus. And then when you're saved, you're born into that family. Bible says you don't join Christianity. You're born into it. Born of the water, born of the spirit, born of the blood. And the Bible says that literally you become born again into that family and become the seed of Abraham. And the Bible says everything that God promised Abraham belongs to you. Say that with me. Everything that God promised Abraham belongs to me. 
I was in my early 20s. I just got out of Bible school. Uh, of course, they don't teach you that. It, the kind of Bible school I went to just had to like run an overhead projector and stuff. Very useful things. We had an entire class on how to run an overhead projector for the song sheets. I'm so glad I took that class. It was actually out of date while I was taking the class. Like, no one uses this. But one time when I came home, I read that for my devotions. Everything God promised Abraham belongs to you. Not will belong to you, belongs to you. And everything that God promised him, he promised you. So I went back to Genesis chapter 12, where you first see Abraham come on the scene. Uh, Genesis 12, 1, and then I read through till when he passes, and I made a note on a yellow legal pad of every promise that God made him and what he gave him. Then I realized now, uh, almost 20 years later, I missed a couple of things, but I found them along the way. And so it's the revelation of God's word that brings deliverance. I didn't say I need somebody to pray for me. Uh, I'm, not, I'm struggling. It's great if people pray for you, but that can help you. They can get, help give you a boost. But the Lord delivers and leads and does everything he does by his word. Can you say amen? So when I saw that there, I realized it doesn't matter my background. It doesn't matter. I don't consider myself anymore. I think of, of all the things. I'm, you know, if I was a dog, I'd be at the Humane Society. I'm not a purebred. But I have, uh, of, of everything, I have the most Polish. So like, whatever the Polish American community is struggling with, I don't know. Because I don't identify with them. I have their nose, but I don't have their DNA anymore. I, uh, English, I think, is second. I don't, I don't identify with that. I identify that, well, what R.W. Schambach used to say, God is your father, Jesus is your elder brother, and the devil is no relation at all. And the more you start seeing that, you see, say out loud, I'm the child of a king. Now, I think any of us, whatever denominational background you are, independent or charismatic, we could go into agreement that very few people carry themselves as Christians as the child of a king. They, they, they walk into church, you would think, I mean, you go to any full gospel church. I'm not talking Baptist and Presbyterian. I'm talking about churches where the people have listened to the, the great revelation of the word of God, and you could go to any one of those churches on a Sunday morning and say, how many of you need a breakthrough today? And not one hand goes up, or 15% of the crowd, 100% of the crowds go up, uh, uh, hands go up. I was at one service uh, with my cousin, and the guy got up. You know, you can, you can, I don't know, people just go into autopilot, I guess, in the crowd. How many of you need a breakthrough? Put, put one hand up. How many of you really need a breakthrough? Put the other hand up. Everybody. It's like, where do you people live? One guy said, how many of you are going through hell? Put one hand up. Every hand. How many of you are really going through hell? Put the second hand up. Every hand. Now, that, if you've been saved for 15 or 20 minutes and you were in a drug cartel or whatever, I, I, I get it. But these weren't people that have been saved 15 or 20 minutes. Church staff. Uh, other ministers? So it's a, it's a mentality. The Bible says, and thine expectation will not be cut off. If you expect, see, you basically can break down Christians into two groups of people. One group expects trouble because they serve the Lord. And another group that I pray you join today 
expects a reward for obeying God and his word. I don't like going to conferences like that. I've heard Pastor Rodney. Guys like him, they teach that if you serve the Lord, life gets easier. Yeah, one of the reasons that we teach that is because a guy who we consider an expert in the Christian faith, his name's Jesus Christ. He said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, come unto me, all ye that are having a great life, and I'm going to show you how miserable life can be. Come unto me, all ye that are having fun, and I'm going to show you what a disciplined, regimented life can produce. That's not what he said. He said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So even in that, in the easy, uh, easy life, and the easy yoke, and the light burden, it's still all, all, pre, all uh, if I knew more words in my vocabulary, it wouldn't take so long. It's all predicated. There we go. I had to dig back to English class. It's all predicated on his teaching and his word. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Not ask people for prayer. Learn of me. Learn of my word. I'll show you who you are. I'll show you you're not an abuse. You know, people just, that they identify by their race. They, they identify by their education. Hi, Jonathan. It's Dr. Jonathan now. Okay. They identify uh, by, by everything but what the Bible says. Or they identify by their past, even though the Bible says not to. I'm an abuse victim. Stop being one. Just stop. If I had church counseling sessions, they would be very short. I'm struggling with depression. Stop. But I don't know how to not be depressed. Well, step one, have some of this ice cream. That'll get you in the right, in the right path. Everybody say stop. stop. Yeah, you just make up your mind. Is it, I, oh, that sounds overly simplistic. Then the Apostle Paul was overly simplistic. I focus all my energies on one thing, forgetting those things that are behind and focusing on that which is to come. You for, just forget. I'm not thinking about that. I'm not identifying that way. You may have been abused. You may have been divorced. You may have had all kinds of bad things happen, but that's not your identity. Your identity is, I am the seed of Abraham. I am an heir according to the promise. Everything that God gave him belongs to me. If you believe that, if you know you're blessed, if you know you're here, the hand of God is on your life. The devil doesn't get to write your destiny. God has written your destiny in the pages of this book. If you believe it, can you shout, I receive it? Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah, who bare thee. Think about it. And so then you read the Bible, then you meditate on the Bible. Well, I don't have much. Abraham didn't either. Consider the rock, the quarry from which you were mined, the rock from which you were What do you come from? You come from the spiritual DNA of a man who had nothing. And when God said, when I finish with him, he was a nation. Do you know what it's like to be a nation? 
Abraham, they're, they're sending the military at you. That's okay, I have my own. <laughs> Abraham, the economy isn't doing well. I have my own economy. I have my own wells, I have my own silver, and I have my own gold. Abraham was one man when I called him, but when I finished, he became a mighty nation. And the Bible's not telling you, now remember, I did that for Abraham, but don't, he's telling you to remember that's what you come from. Now, I want to tell you, 100% of the people that are, that are lifelong prayer projects, keep me in prayer, keep me in prayer. I guarantee you, 100% of them don't, don't do that. Because there's no way to get your mind pointed in that direction and, and just even entertain struggles. Even when I was at my parents' breakfast room table writing that down, I had nothing. Well, nothing would be an exaggeration. I was living at home, their homes. I didn't have a home. I didn't have a, I had a car that was so busted up I couldn't get it registered because I had to get certain things fixed or to qualify to be registered and I didn't have enough money for it for two years. It was only recently that I, I, I used to be in the habit, anytime I was at a red light, I would scan the rearview mirror to see if there's a police officer behind me because I'd have to change lanes or just run the red light and make a break for the border. Thank, thank God that's over. I had a minus bank account several times, overdrafted, and I had no credit cards for backup, not because I didn't believe you know, in using credit cards. Credit cards didn't believe in using me. I, I even, well, you guys are like super happy at 1040 in the morning. I'm not used to being around people like that. I even, I tried to get credit cards. I even applied for the credit cards that have like the highest legal, like the ones they advertised during the Montel Williams show and Judge Judy. And even they would write me back. One, one, one Capital One card, when they wrote me back when I applied, it just said LOL. No credit card. My credit score was like nine. So I, I didn't have anything. And people, <laughs> I had nothing coming in the offerings. And then uh, I remember I was flying to a meeting one time, it was before I was married, and I, I would sleep on the plane. And we hit really bad turbulence, and this Marine reached across and grabbed my arm in the aisle. He said, what's that? I said, that's, that's a severe turbulence. He said, what'll happen? I said, well, you know, I'm no f physics major, but one of two things will happen. either." Either we'll pull out of it or it'll destroy the plane and we'll all die. <laughs> Those are basically the only two things that can happen. And he said, uh, he went, don't say that. I don't want to die. And I remember thinking, why is this guy so uptight? You know, I was living at home, negative bank balance. I was half rooting for the turbulence. <laughs> If we started going down, I was going to reenact the last scene of the Titanic. <laughs> Nothing. You know, when you preach at nice churches, they, they reserve a, seat, a, a, a parking spot for you, like up front, to show you honor. I used to nod my head at them when I'd, I'd drive by the ushers. And I'd go park like out in a field because my car was a disgrace to the blood of Jesus. That's a fact.
And I'm sure, I'm sure there's people that, have, that started lower than I did, for sure. Because I actually, it's funny how the, the Lord puts a, a grace on your life when you're going through things that you don't even think about it. And then it's when you look back, you know, it's like me and Adonis were driving. Man, we had nothing. And we didn't know. We were happy as larks. Just laughing and having a, a good time. It's not where you are that matters. It's where you're headed that you should pay attention to. Because the devil, the devil can't stop the power of God's word. He can only get you to be discouraged. Why do you think there's a, a scripture in the New Testament? Be not weary in well-doing. If there wasn't a natural tendency to be weary in well-doing. Well, if tithing would have worked by now, it would have worked. I used to believe that. We all have the same aunt that when you start going to a church like that. I used to believe that. And you look at her, it's like, first of all, I don't think you ever did. The same aunt who has a Tweety Bird tattoo that has now turned into Big Bird. I used to believe that faith stuff. I used to believe that. But I learned when I got older. First of all, you also don't look like you've learned anything since you've been older. People should be careful about what they speak against. And what happens is people quit. They quit on the path of faith. I don't even want to spend one minute thinking about where I'd be right now if when I hit 29 years old and still was basically, I was married, living in a, a, an apartment. Hey, listen, I was just playing this for a little bit till I started teaching, which I'm still going to teach, but I'm enjoying this preaching. I don't know who this preacher is, but I feel like God's going to use him. I like his delivery, like like his content. Actually, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the message, so... I'm going to play a little more, and then I'll be back. Thanks for being on. If you haven't noticed, we're banned from YouTube. Got strike two today off of a program we did in October. So they are trolling back through our stuff trying to knock us off. And as you can see, I'm very worried. I had a ministry before YouTube if they remove me from there. I promise you I'll still be going strong long after they're not. Back to the message, and then we'll do this, uh, this great message I'm going to give you today, but they go together, so enjoy. See you in a little bit. If there wasn't a natural tendency to be weary and well-doing, well, if tithing would have worked by now, it would have worked. I used to believe that. We all have the same aunt that when you start going to a church like that. I used to believe that. And you look at her, it's like, first of all, I don't think you ever did. The same aunt who has a... Tweety Bird tattoo that has now turned into Big Bird. I used to believe that faith stuff. I used to believe that. But I learned when I got older. First of all, you also don't look like you've learned anything since you've been older. People should be careful about what they speak against. And what happens is people quit. They quit on the path of faith. I don't even want to spend one minute thinking about where I'd be right now if when I hit 29 years old and still was basically, I was married, living in a, a, an apartment that had cockroaches that I would try to convince my wife they were palmetto bugs. No, I'm telling you, these are different. If you study it out, these are, 
very clean animals. Buddhists actually think they're good luck. It said on Wikipedia. And I knew they were cockroaches. And she knew they were cockroaches. I'm glad I didn't hit 29 and say, ah, forget this. I'm going back to where I came from. In other words, you know, I wasn't raised around, I not only wasn't raised around prosperity teaching or that the Lord would bless you financially, I was raised warned about those kind of people. You need to be careful about those prosperity preachers. Oh, I do? Oh, yeah. What, what's, what they go around stabbing people? Be careful about them. You need to be careful. I had a pastor telling me one time, you need to be careful about uh, Kenneth Hagin. I said, what about him? He's deceiving the body of Christ. I said, uh, he passed away two years ago. I don't think he's deceiving the body of Christ. He's not even alive. He's in heaven. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a lot you don't know. With food stains all over your shirt. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. Put the food in your mouth. If that guy had any more food on his shirt, he should have kept his, his laundry in his refrigerator. I had a Bible college professor. Jesus didn't have a Cadillac. Wow, what a powerful revelation. Glad you got an MDiv from Harvard to learn that. Oh, he didn't have a Cadillac. That's great to know. Hold on a second. Let me get a pen and put that in my notebook here in case there's a test on it later on. And I raised my hand and said, he also didn't have a Ford minivan, which is what he had. Because think about it. If you're going to play, if you're going to believe like that, then follow it all the way out. Sell your jeans and get a robe get you some sandals and get rid of your minivan and go get a donkey that nobody ever rode before. Because he also didn't have central air or Wi-Fi or anything like that. But he did have the best. He had a boat that could hold him and 12 disciples. You get a 13-passenger boat now, that's still worth more than a Cadillac. What do you think, Jesus was stealing boats? Or do you think he had boats? It's one of the two. Listen, Peter, I'm going to heal this blind guy. And when I tell everybody to lift their hands and praise the Lord, go connect the red wire to the yellow wire and we'll get across to the other side. Jesus was not a boat thief. Grand theft maritime. Boat, get me a donkey nobody ever had before. He had a room for a banquet. It's amazing. My mom was telling me a little while ago because she didn't grow up around that either. And she said, it's been amazing listening to you the last 10 years. How much is in the Bible that I never saw? How can you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see Jesus as a broke person? Jesus didn't even have a pillow to lay his head on. Do you think he was speaking literally or figuratively? Do you think Jesus slept for 33 and a half years with his head hanging off the side of whatever he's sleeping in and he had a neck problem? I don't have a pillow. So I... When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus, where are you staying? And what did Jesus answer? I don't have anywhere to stay. He said, come and see. And the crowd pressed into the home. Well, if you have a home that a crowd can press into, you got a bigger home than the one I had that had the roaches. No crowd pressing in there. Somebody said, let me have a tour of your place. I brought him in. I said, now stand here. 
and then just turning around, and there it is. It's amazing how the devil through deception can blind. You got this whole book telling you you can do all things through Christ, then showing you people who are dumber than you. I mean, it's hard not to read the life of Peter before he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and not get encouraged that I could probably do great things. That guy, that guy said like one smart thing in four books. Almost messed up the whole crucifixion. Jesus is getting arrested. He comes in like a samurai. She's like, hey, you're going to mess the whole thing up. Sorry, I just got angry. And then you read Peter getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And he never says like another stupid thing again. But he's still not bright. It's all by the anointing. Because if you read later on, he talks about what Paul wrote. And he said, now a lot of what Paul writes, it's very actually hard for me to understand. But when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he starts quoting passages out of the scripture verbatim in Acts chapter 2. And then the man that couldn't stand down three girls at a campfire and say he served the Lord, stands down over 3,000 grown men and tells them, listen to me, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but it's only the third hour of the day. What you're seeing today is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And the Bible says, after he finishes, his preaching pricked their hearts. And they said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter told him, each of you must repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So wouldn't it make sense if the Bible tells you to not think about former things and to identify by your spiritual root that the devil would try to get you to think about former things and identify by your physical root. I don't have a dad. A lot of people don't have dads. It's not 1920. Oh, you're the divorced family. Over half. The majority of people don't have a debt. Then of the 50% that do have a debt, how many are, are born again, Holy Ghost filled Christians that sit their kids down and teach them the word and pray with them? It'd be negligible. Almost none. So you're going to just keep thinking about what you didn't have. I didn't have a mother to pay for my cause. My grandmother, that's 94 years old down in Texas, her, her youngest sister, that died 30 years before her. You could listen to her when she was 65, 70 years old, talking about our mother never gave us anything. You're 70! <laughs> what did she have to give you? It was the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, it was like 1990. My mother didn't give me anything. What, you want a wagon? What, you, what did you want her to give you? 70. If you don't break that mentality, the same way you'll be whining when you're 20, you'll be whining when you're 65. But if you'll break that mentality and instead use your mouth to say, I'll bless the Lord at all times, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself. If God be for me, tell me who can be against me. And I want to tell you today, God for you. God's hand is on your life. The same God that took Abraham to the top will take
take you to the top in Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive that, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Well, welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, live. That was some of the most fun I've ever had preaching. If you don't preach well at the river, you need to find another job. Those are the best people you could ever preach to. And today, I want to deal with the tithe. I started yesterday, we did an introduction, then I was in kind of a bad mood and it ruined the, the uh, end of the thing, so I'm going to finish it in a good mood. Glad you're watching. If you didn't notice, we're off YouTube. I've been trying to tell you not to watch me on YouTube. People don't really listen. Uh, so if you'd watch me on our app, pop the app up real quick, Revival Today, which is on the App Store and Google Play. The app is being improved all the time, but it's still better than everybody else's app. Even people that have all these backers and everything. Uh, Rumble still doesn't have live streaming, right? Yeah, see, and they said it was coming out later in the week. We have live streaming. You know, I hope you have some friggin' appreciation for what our team built. Because even Rumble doesn't, doesn't have a live stream. And then our, we have commenting. It gets updated. It's not as smooth as Facebook and YouTube yet. But Facebook and YouTube used to not have that. Now, and uh, it's getting updated and bettered all the time. We'll be on Apple TV soon. We've been approved for it unless they, unless they're, unless they lie, which is a possibility. So just start switching over to our app because they don't like me. This world, a lot of people in this world don't like me. I don't know why. I don't know how anybody could spend five minutes with me and not fall in love with me, but not everybody feels that way. So, please start watching on the app. <laughs> I agree, John Castellano. Great to see you. I can see all your comments. Kelvy, good to see you in Orlando. Johnny, good to see you. I know you're in Florida now, but from Pittsburgh. Ryan, great to see you. Evangelist Chibway, watching from Zambia. Love you. Pastor Phil, my cousin. From El Paso, New Jersey, and then now in California. Nicole, Ryan on the app, Maria, one of my favorites. I th probably will see you this Sunday or next Sunday, and then Chopper. We love you. Let's get into it. I want to give you 10 facts about tithing, tithers, and how, how it plays in to what's, what the devil's trying to do in the last days right now. Let's go through the tithing scriptures again. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Iran. Let's check up on him a chapter later, Genesis 13, 2. And Abram was very rich. So he goes from living in his dad's home with nothing, at least nothing's mentioned, to now, Genesis 13, 2, Abram's very rich in livestock, silver, and gold, because God knew there would be somebody that would say, well, how many know riches don't mean material things? So God let you know when he obeyed his command. You've heard me say it before, if God loves poverty, why did he never give it one time to someone as a reward for obedience? If God loves poverty, why did he never give it as a reward for obedience? He always blessed people with, among other things, material riches, land, silver and gold, uh, flocks and herds. Genesis 14. 14. I'm, I don't have a stutter or Tourette's. It's Genesis 14, verse 14. When Abram heard that, the, that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. 
Then he pursued Kedalarmer's army until he caught up with them at Dan. Then he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedalarmer's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hoba, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedalarmer and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The tithe is the tenth. Abraham did that. Any Christian or church person or church leader that you hear say uh, tithing's under the law, is uh, you're dealing with an ignorant person because Abram tithed 430 years before the law was given. Thank you, Jenna, for the nice words on Facebook. Now, Genesis 15, verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. And we dealt with that yesterday. Of all the things I'm going to deal with about being a tither and tithing and what it produces, you could pretty much put it under those two categories. Abram, I will protect you and your reward will be great. So you can write in the comments right now, protection and great reward. Protection and great reward. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Everybody say super, right? Supernatural multiplication. In every area of life, his flocks and herds increased, he increased. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, after your silver and gold has multiplied along with everything else. Tithing provokes supernatural, supernatural multiplication to your life. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Genesis 15, 6. Genesis 15, 7. Then the Lord told Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to possess this land. And I want you to write down land possession or land ownership. The righteous shall inherit the land. Actual, physical land ownership. You'll be the lender only and not the borrower. You don't pay rent, people pay rent to you. Land ownership, and we'll get to that. Now let's get moving. Uh, oh no, there's more scriptures. Malachi 3. Malachi 3. Can people watch replays of our program on YouTube or it just says like blocked? No, not us. Can people watch it? Like if people go on my YouTube channel right now, are my old videos there? They can't watch it. 
All right, good. And then my opening video is still the one telling how they're trying to shut me down, right? Malachi 3, verse 6. I am the Lord and I change not. That's why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? So notice, these people were not tithing or giving offerings, but they didn't know they weren't doing anything wrong because they weren't being taught. That's why a minister has a responsibility to teach people what God expects of them, whether they like it or not. Otherwise, they sin without knowing that they're sinning and they get out of God's will and come under a curse without knowing that they're doing that. How, how can we return to you? We've never gone away. Oh, yes, you have. Should a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Not returning the tithe to God is stealing from God. And if I was going to make a list of people to rob and steal from, I would put God at the dead bottom of the list. I would mug an 85-year-old woman and take her groceries before I would take what belongs to God. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever rob you? You've robbed me of the tithes and the offerings. So there's not just a tithe that's due God. There's also an offering that's due God. The tithe God has determined, it's 10%. You can't double tithe. You can't reverse tithe. You can't start tithing more. The tithe is a set amount. 10% of everything that crosses into your possession belongs to the Lord. And then the offering, let every man give as he's directed by the Spirit, not reluctantly or under pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9, uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9, which is about the offering. You've robbed me of the tithes and the offerings that are due to me. So you're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now, even though God's angry, look at what he still says to people he's angry at. Now, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, if you do. So you can't just claim the blessings of the Bible. There's a part for you to play. Draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. If you do, says the Lord of hosts, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Listen to that. If you'll simply return the tithe to me, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, the only problem you'll ever have financially is finding enough room to hold everything that I'm giving you. Try it, and let me prove it to you. Your crops will be abundant, for you will guard them, for I will guard them from insects and disease. I won't allow things to destroy your harvest. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of hosts. John 8. John 8. John 8, 38. Jesus said, I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you're following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would do the works that Abraham did. If you're, now it's amazing how many Christians love, love the revelation that they're the seed of Abraham. 
You can put a yarmulke on. You can get a prayer shawl from Israel. You can get a vial of water from the Holy Land, uh, from the Sea of Galilee. You can do all that. But if you don't tithe, you're not the seed of Abraham because Abraham was a tither. And Jesus said, if you're the children of Abraham, you'll do the works that Abraham did. So you can substitute getting dressed up in a costume if you want, but that's not what secures the blessing. The tithing is the thing that secures the blessing. Matthew 23, 23. Tithing's not anywhere in the New Testament. Actually, Jesus just said, if you're the seed of Abraham, you'll do the works that Abraham did. Abraham was a, was a tither. And then Matthew 23, 23, you say, well, that's, that's kind of a stretch. No, actually, it's not. And then this really isn't a stretch. Matthew 23, 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important or the weightier aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. I want you to write that in the comments. And I want you to write it in your notes. You should tithe, yes. You should tithe, yes. Which, if you interpret that from the original language, means you should tithe, yes. Very hard to misinterpret that. Somehow, many people have found a way, because when you're cheap, you read the Bible a certain way. When you're stingy, you read the Bible a certain way. If you've not watched yesterday's broadcast, you should watch it because it couples with uh, this one. Yesterday was like an introduction. Jesus, who we would consider an expert in the Christian faith, seeing as he founded it, said you should tithe, yes. He said, you hypocritical Pharisees, you're so careful to tithe even what, what your gardens produce. If you, if you have 10 tomatoes, you bring one in. You're careful to tithe, but you leave undone justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus in the second part of the verse, listen, didn't want people, now I'm not saying you shouldn't tithe. You should tithe. In one translation, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. You should do what they, what they do with the tithe. But you also have to do those other things. You should tithe, yes. Matthew 23, 23. How anybody can say tithing is not in the New Testament is Matthew in the Old Testament or the New Testament? And then if somebody's a really committed cheapskate, a really committed non-giver, they say, uh, yeah, but that Jesus still hadn't died yet, so they were still under the law. First of all, if you watched yesterday, uh, the Bible scholar Finnis Dake pointed out that no substitution program is ever given for the tithe. Anything that was ever substituted out in the Bible that they did in the Old Testament they don't do now, there's a clear passage of Scripture that tells you it's being substituted, and there's a program to replace it. For example, do we kill bulls and goats? Are you kidding Do we kill bulls and goats for our sins? No, we don't. Why don't we? Did we just decide to stop because it's cruel to animals? No. The Bible clearly tells you in Hebrews that the blood of Jesus has replaced the blood of bulls and goats. He's a more, uh, more excellent sacrifice. 
And it, there's no substitution program for tithing. And then when people say that tithing was done away with when the, when the law was done away with, number one, tithing didn't start when the law started. A, remember, Abraham tithed 430 years before the law was given. Listen, as much as I love having you in here with that dry hacking cough, you can go ahead and scurry on out. Love you. I know, I know you can't help it. It's out of your control. But like if I was sitting next to you in an airport, I would move to another chair. So. Hebrews 7. The Bible gives you, not only tells you about tithing, it tells you one of the greatest revelations on tithing. Hebrews 7, 1. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abram was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, look at the, look at the tithe being, brought, being taught to the New Testament believers. The, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, hey, I don't have time to do it. Sorry to be so scatterbrained. Let... um. Mogalis and Patrick know not to have Adalis open her Valentine's gift until I get over there. I want to see her open it. It's the whole fun of buying something for someone. Hebrews 7.1. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abram was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth or a tithe of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice, and the king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Please write that in the scripture. A priest forever. The tithe, if it started with Levi, the Levitical priesthood was done away with. But Melchizedek is a eternal priesthood. Verse 4, Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must collect the tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek was not a descendant of Levi. And collected a tenth, or collected the tithe from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The, though men collect tithes here on earth, they are collected in heaven where it is witnessed he lives forever. And I think that's where we stopped yesterday. That's a, if you'll get Hebrews 7, 8 in your spirit, Though men receive the tithes on earth, they are received by him in heaven, who it is witnessed he lives forever. I'm not giving to a man. I'm not giving to an organization. They receive it, but Christ receives it in heaven, and then my blessing comes from heaven. I gave, I pledged to give, and as of yesterday, I believe I completed my pledge, $40,000 to the church I preached at in Hawaii. I felt to do it. I, I didn't do it to them now, and then now have me back to speak next year and then remember that I did that for you then take like extra offerings for me. No, 
The Bible says if you only help those who you know can pay you back, you're no different than the heathen. I sowed that as a seed, and someone handed me $150,000 10 days later. Out of nowhere. I wasn't preaching. Because when I gave it there, Christ received it in heaven, and he opened up the windows of heaven and, and gave it to my life. If you'll ever get that in your, in your spirit, you know how you know people don't have that in their spirit? Is if the pastor says, you know what? We're not even going to take an offering today. People would say, oh, I don't have to give. They think giving's a tax. But if you understand that every time you give out of a heart of love, in faith and expectation, to, and out of a love for God's kingdom, to say thank you to God out of worship to him, it's received in heaven, and then he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that's much greater than the sacrifice you laid down. Then you would lay something on the altar anyway. I used to go into my home church to pray in the sanctuary, and I would lay an offering on the altar. I was the only one in the building. It wasn't prayer time. They gave me the uh, app that I could let myself in the door. I was the only one in, and when I finished praying, I'm not going to ask the Lord to do a bunch of stuff for me and, and then leave. And here you go, as a way of saying, thank you for all that you've done, and to let you know I love you, and I'd lay that on the altar. It's a spiritual. Giving is spiritual. Verse 9. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the one who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abram, Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. So if the priesthood of Levi on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? So there you have even a a greater revelation on tithing, that it secures something for your children, your children's children, and your children's children's children to four generations. Levi was four generations out, and the Bible says the Lord blessed him because the seed of him was in Abraham's body when he gave the tithe. I've had a very easy life. My dad's a tither. My grandfather, who I owe a debt of of honor to, and I try to say nice things about him as often as I can because nobody was a Christian in our family. He started tithing, and it broke our family out. Look at anybody in our family. My Uncle Ted, uh, my dad, they look blessed. You look at my dad, you can't tell he's in his, in his 60s. He, he looks great. He's strong. You know, it's, he's, it's amazing. It's amazing what the Lord has done to our family. We were West Virginia coal miners back in the day where there wasn't even like any kind of fairness act. They weren't even paid in dollars. They were paid in company money that you could only spend at the company store. And, God, and you want to, can I go even deeper with you? For some reason, my grandfather's father wouldn't go to church ever or his wife, but they sent their tithes in. They put it in an envelope and had somebody bring it to the church. The pastor came by to see them one time and said, would you like to come to our church? You're one of the biggest givers in our church. You know, he can't even get his members to tithe. Boy, do I wish I could. I could they're gone, you know. I don't, I don't know that I ever got to meet my grandfather's father. If I was, I was too little to remember.
I would love to know who told him something or who taught him something that made him not go to church but tithe. Now, you say, well, what was the point of that? Gee, now it starts to click why my grandfather happened to wander into a tent meeting, happened to get saved, happened to get called into the ministry, and then four boys that are all in the ministry, and now the grandkids all in the ministry. The tithe is powerful. It is spiritually powerful. It is a conversation with God. <laughs> it puts you in a different class. People are stingy. You know that. You have kids. If you have kids, if you put nine toys in a room and three kids, three kids are not all playing with three toys. The strongest kid has all nine toys and two other kids are crying. Because man's nature is to take, keep everything he can and take from other people. But God's nature is to give. God so loved the world that he gave. And when you tithe, you're coming into alignment with God and it draws God's attention. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek and God came to talk to him. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. Your reward's going to be great. It, it, it's such a simple thing. I'm a professional tither now. I've been doing it for a long time. Earlier on, if the Lord had spoke to me to give $40,000 to a church in Hawaii that I already had to spend 20 grand or whatever between airplane tickets and where I'm staying and food, 15, 10, 10. If McGonagall's got like a really good deal, maybe 10,000. So I'm already in for 10, we'll say. So, you know, from a business model, you're looking to recoup your 10 plus in the offerings. But this isn't a business. So you give. The Lord speaks to me, give the first uh, 20,000. Then I give 10 the other night. Then I give 10 the other night. 40 grand. 150 comes back in 10 days. 150 is more than 40. Anytime the Lord speaks to me about giving, he has a harvest in mind for me. He's looking for me to give him something so he can increase me. Once that clicks in your head, you look for people to give to. It's spiritual. God pays attention to your giving. God pays attention to tithers. The title today, the tithe, tithers, the tithe, And God's plan for the great reset. There's powerful men, who, men who think they're powerful. Once you get acquainted with God's power, no man seems very powerful to you. Ask Pharaoh. He'll take their whole thing in one night. Klaus Schwab, George Soros, Prince Charles. I don't care who you are. I don't care who your freaking cousin is. The Lord could take your whole thing in one night. But when you're hooked up with God, nobody can take anything from you. If the Lord's determined to give you something, nobody can take it. The people have a plan to eliminate all private wealth, it's all out in the open now. 
World Economic Forum, said you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. The Bible tells you in the book of Revelation, no man will be able to buy or sell without a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. The plan is total population control. But tithing, that's not God's plan. God's plan is to increase you and make you multiply. That's why he never caught me getting upset about whether we're going to get a $600 check or a $2,000 check. I passed that level a long time ago. The government, I promise you right now, if they ever do vote this stimulus thing through, if they mail me a check, I'll send it back. If they deposit it into my account directly, there's nothing I can do, so I'll sow it. The government, I don't need them. They need me. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not the only man of God who has said so. Tithers are the reason all these plans don't work in America. And I'm not disparaging other nations. But 90% of what goes out to world missions comes from America. Every missionary runs back to this country to get their money to go preach. Americans give. I'm not saying other countries don't, but if you, if you compare... Yeah. I was going to say, if you compared American giving and Canadian giving, it wouldn't even be close. But I'm not going to say that because I don't want to disparage Canadians. And God said, if you tithe, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. It's why the Great Reset can't work, because the salt of the earth, those that participate in the covenant of God, make it impossible for the enemy to destroy that nation. The economy was supposed to crash last year. It, could, it didn't, and they couldn't figure out why. Because there's too many people in Texas and Pennsylvania and Arizona tapped into the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. You're right, Maria. I didn't say all Canadians. In fact, if you heard me, I said I'm not even going to say it. There's great giving churches in Canada, but there's great giving churches in Europe. I, largest offering I ever had come into our ministry ever was, was in Europe. But the fact is 90% of missions giving comes from America. And then I, out of that, I'd love to see what percentage comes out of Florida, Georgia, and Texas, and Louisiana. That revelation, American preachers got a hold of that. It's the American gospel. It's not American gospel. Abraham wasn't from Texas, but Americans picked up on it and got a hold of it. Baptists get, gave to missions. I mean, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a charismatic thing. It got into the, the churches in America. The founder of Belk's department store. I'm not going to put a store up in any town until I've built a church there. Who does that? And he went from one store to 300 plus. Tithing. Tithers. The tithe, tithers, and God's plan for the Great Reset. Number one. I'm going to give you 10 things. Number one, when I tithe, I'm obeying a scriptural command. 
Thank you. I'm not doing what my pastor would have liked, would like me to do so I can help pay for the roof. I'm obeying a scriptural command. Thanks, Nick. When I tithe, I'm aligning myself with the commands of Scripture. I'm obeying God. I'm obeying God. My tithe is a conversation with God. I don't have, I don't have to say, oh, Lord, I believe you. I believe you'll provide all my needs. As soon as I put that thing on the altar, it's, that offering says all that to God. My offering lays on the altar and speaks to God. Jonathan believes you. When they're saying the economy's going to crash, Jonathan doesn't believe them. He believes you're going to take care of him. My tithe, my tithe speaks to God. Hallelujah. Number two, your tithe is your time, your treasure, and your talent. Well, how many of you know as we give today, whether we give our time, our treasure, and our talent, or our talent? Your tithe is your time, your treasure, and your talent all wrapped into one thing. I want you to write this down. My tithe represents the best of me. My tithe represents the best of me. Because it took my time. It took my talent. And it took my, tre it took my time and it took my talent to produce that treasure. I said it yesterday. I was, when I was driving in yesterday, I, well, there's been fire trucks. Like, yes, what are people doing? This whole town made of wood? Great to be speaking to you today from 1880s Chicago. My, my seed represents my time and my talent. I said yesterday when I was driving in, think of this. When you tithe, not counting your offerings, not counting any other kind of giving you do, if you tithe, every 10 years you've given a year's salary to the advancement of God's kingdom on the earth. You think that's small? So if you live till you're 70, and let's say you started getting paid when you were 20, you gave five years salary, not two months that you give to show a girl you love her when you buy a ring. Five years to the advancement of the kingdom of, uh, of God. You worked for five years of your life just for God, and God pays his workers. You're making sandwiches at Jimmy John's. You're working in the suit department at Nordstrom. You're selling Toyotas, but you did it for five years, not for Toyota, for God, not for you and your house, for God and his house. You think that doesn't do something? Number three, 
Your tithe rebukes the devourer. Rebuking the devil is for non-tithers. Tithers already have Satan's hand rebuked. Return to me in the tithe and see if I won't open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that's so great you'll never have enough room to receive it, Try it and let me prove it to you. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. There is a devourer. There is a devourer spiritually sent to come after the harvest of the children of God. And God rebukes him. You can't touch them and you can't touch their money because they're in covenant with me. And the, the enemy's hand is taken off of anything you have. Good morning, Ms. Newman. Can I tell you a story? I was preaching, uh, I won't say what state. The pastor said, we have a couple in our church. They're probably the richest couple in our church. They're very rich. They own a business, and the business has a lot of property. They owned a golf course and country club. And they've been losing money lately, left and right. They want you to come and bless their business. Would you come? I said, sure. So I went. And they told me there was a sinkhole that developed on the property. They got it filled in for 300000 and it caved in again. They got it filled for, for another 300000 It caved in again. And they said, to fix it now, it's going to cost one point something million dollars. And that may not even, it, it may do the exact same thing again. And they said, it, this is what they said to me, the husband and wife. They were an older couple, nice couple. They said, it feels like the devil has his hand on our property. Somebody said on the comments, should you tithe on, a, on an insurance check for something you lost? I would tithe on any money that crosses into my possession. That's what I do, just so you, you can do what you want, that's what I do, and that's what blew. I don't start looking on what, I mean anything. My daughter is seven, she tithes on money people give her. You want to hear a story? Somebody gave my daughter $200 for no reason. My, daughter, my wife said, how much of that belongs to the Lord, Camila. And because she didn't know how to do the math, she just said, I'll give him 100 and I'll keep one. Well, that's 50%. The next church I preached at, no one knew she did that. I've never had this happen in my life. It never happened to me in my whole life. The great church I went to in Louisiana said our children's church decided to take offerings for your daughter every night while you were here, and they gave me $500. Then I went to Pastor Rodney's church, and a businessman came up to me and said, uh, I wanted to give $1,000 to your daughter. I came off the road with $1,500 for my seven-year-old. You're going to tell me that's not supernatural? That's not the Lord meeting her needs. She doesn't have any needs. That's, I'd, I'd meet those. If you cut God in on your money, God gets involved in your money. And when God gets involved in your money, it shows. It certainly does.
That couple says, um, and I'm telling you, it was in the morning. I was like half asleep when they said, it feels like the devil has his hand on our property. Though we're making money, we're spending it on this sinkhole as fast as it comes in. <laughs> That's right. My sister said $1,500 buys a lot of Robux. Can I tell you something else? I never, that's her money. That's my daughter's money. I would be stealing if I took it, and it would be manipulative to try to control it. But I did say to her, Camila, because she saw the video of the kids that we feed overseas, I said, you're welcome to do anything with that money that you want, other than you, just, you still have to tithe off of it, because if you don't tithe, you can't live here. Can't have any Jonas on board, even if they're seven. I have to put you in foster care, military school, or whatever. So I said, uh, when your mom and I started feeding, helping feed those kids with our money, that, that's when we saw God really start to bless us. So if you want, you don't have to, but think about how many kids you want to feed a day and make a commitment to do it. I can't remember how many kids she said she wanted, she wanted to feed. So now I'm going to get her started because she wanted to do it. I'm going to get her started at seven doing what it took me till I was 31 to learn. She'll be a multi, multi, multi millionaire just from what I leave her, let alone her doing it herself. Get God. Hey, Mitzi in Maui. Mitzi in Maui. She'll be very rich. You, you get God involved with your money, it becomes evident God's involved with your money. My daughter made $1,500 in a week. I, I used to preach Sunday to Friday, preaching on breakthrough and taking offerings and come home with 700 bucks. She did nothing. She just, but I, wasn't, I didn't give like that. I told that couple, I said, now listen. You might get mad at me. I said, if I didn't care about you, I would do what you asked, that I just pray that God blesses your business. But you said it feels like the devil has his hand on your property. And I said, the Bible says the tithe rebukes his hand. So I said, I'm not going to assume that you don't tithe on your business. But if you don't tithe on, on what comes into your business... I said, the devil's hand will stay on your property regardless of how I pray. I would strongly consider if you don't take 10. And I said, I'm not saying you have to give it to me. You give it anywhere you want to the kingdom of God. But I would start taking 10% of everything that comes into your country club and giving it to the Lord. Bishop David Oyadepo said, you'll either pay your tithes with joy to God or with tears somewhere else. Think of that. You'll either pay your tithe with joy to the Lord or you'll pay it with tears somewhere else. Now think, if somebody would have talked to that couple about tithing off of their business, I said, that's insane. We took in half a million dollars last year. You want us to give 50000 off the top to the work of the Lord? But they had to give $1.6 million to a sinkhole after doing 300000 after doing uh, whatever it was, 300,000 twice. Your choice. Because the devourer will take more 
than what God would. And, and the devourer doesn't open the windows of hell and pour out a blessing. He just takes it and keeps taking. But God said, if you'll just show me that you believe me, I'll refund what you give me multiplied. Thank you, Madai, Ms. Martinez. You and your wife are really changing my life right now. Thank you. You're welcome. That makes my, my day. So when I said that, the wife kind of spoke. She was, it was one of those southern families where the wife talks for the whole family, kind of the opposite of Abraham. And she said, well, th that's all I need to hear. Well, I thought, I thought well, I'm leaving. You know, she's Because it sounded like she's going, well, that's all I need to hear. I'm not. She said, well, that's all I need to hear. When I was going for a walk this morning, I felt the Lord speak to me. When you started this business, you tithed off of everything that came in. And she said, I don't know when I did it. But at some point over the last 20 years, we just quit doing that. And I'll take what you said as confirmation, and I'm going, to start, I'm going to start tithing. And they did that day, actually. Your tithe rebukes the devourer. If something's always going wrong, I'd check my tithes. You want to hear something funny? I used to play fantasy football. And there were some ministers that played fantasy football with me. And this one minister texted me. He said, I've lost by one point the last three weeks in a row. I said, you should check to see. I wrote, texted him back. You should check to see if your tithes are paid up. Jokingly. And he texted me back like three paragraphs. You know, I, I haven't been tithing. Do you, I always thought that the Levites took the tithe. They didn't have to pay tithes. <laughs> I was like... Sorry, I had an accidental word of knowledge. People, a lot of people don't tithe. A minister who's not a tither will always be a beggar. A minister who's not a tither will always be a beggar. Can you please help us? We need your help to stay on the air. If you could just help us. Always in need of help rather than having an overflow and surplus to help others. I got you, Pastor Phil. You'll either pay your tithe with joy to the Lord or with tears somewhere else. You're welcome, Nancy. Thanks for the nice words, everybody. Number three, your tithe rebukes the devourer. Number four, your tithe. I want you to write this down. My tithe provokes divine supply. This might be, this might be, of all the ten things I'm sharing it, I, I, the thing I'd want you to get the most. Your, my tithe provokes divine supply. My tithe exempts me from the world system. And that never became more clear to me than last year with the economic meltdown. And, and I'm not of this world. My money is not tied into this world this world's economy. Many people don't know that. Many people in the ministry don't know that. Well, you know, I, I really enjoy your, your teaching, Brother Jonathan, but where we're at in Mozambique, it's very poor. You, you're, you're not a bright person. 
Abraham wasn't in Texas. Abraham lived in the land of the Philistines, a wicked nation. They hated him. He had to pretend his wife was his sister so they wouldn't kill him and take her. And he bought up all their stuff. My tithe provokes divine supply. It takes me out of oil regulations and what Biden's planning and what the Democrats are going to do and what the World Economic Forum is going to do. I'll always have more than enough. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great you'll never have enough room to take it all in. We, the Lord gave us this office building. We outgrew it. We bought the office across the street. No loans for either one. And now that one is too full. Just the t-shirts from Check the News. I'll, I'll need a warehouse for that. Just keep growing in any economy. Hallelujah. Camila has no way to get paid. How's a seven-year-old going to earn $1,500? It takes you out. Doesn't matter whether you're seven. Doesn't matter if you live in a poor country. If you'll get in with God, I'll make you a problem. I'll pour you out a blessing that's so great. You'll never have enough room to take it all in. Never. I'll keep giving you more. Is that literal? Ask Peter and his fishing partners whether it's literal. He let Jesus use his boat. Jesus didn't give him his boat back and say thanks. Jesus gave him his boat back with a prophetic instruction, and when he followed it, they had a problem. A cry for help came out from the boat. We need another boat. We need more nets. Boat sinking, net breaking. Immediate harvest of fish. Divine supply. Great, great guy walked up and gave my, us $100,000 for our ministry. That was the third person that's done that in the last four months. Not to, not to mention other amounts. Under 100000 Just wanted to give this to you. Just wanted to say thank you. No golf tournament, no bake sale. No vision meeting where I pitch the vision of revival today and invite some rich people and see if they'll give. Just receive and say thank you. Give and receive. Keep giving, keep receiving. Stop giving, stop receiving. Too simple. And when the Lord blessed us last year, love you, Marlon, in Cape Town. When the Lord blessed us last year during the lockdown, I was sure... There would be other people struggling. I called pastors in America. I couldn't find anybody that was my friends, you know, givers. Oh, no, April was our best month we've ever had, and May was better than April. Really? Let me call some people overseas that are in actual lockdown with the military on the streets. No, I mean, I don't, we're having, having, I don't even know how, but we're having the best 
best months we've ever had financially. Last year was when it really, really clicked that this thing's real. Number five, I'm giving you 10. Halfway there. Number five, your tithe opens the windows of heaven. Windows Somebody just commented, I, I just hate you, really. You are a part of a large group, an ever-growing group of people, including the people who run YouTube, apparently. Let me tell you, I've been around me sometimes, and I hated me. So we probably have uh, that in common. Number five, your tithe opens the windows of heaven. I want you to write that down. My tithe opens the windows of heaven. Opens are, uh, windows are not for dumping out. Windows are for looking through. So part of what God gives you when you tithe is revelation. Divine ideas. Divine ideas. Thank you. Thank you, Alejandra. Appreciate it. I want you to write down divine ideas. Philistines looked for water. God showed Abraham that water was under the ground and he dug wells. And it gave him major advantage over the Philistines. He was always in the same place. His land was always irrigated. His cattle didn't have to walk around in search of water all day, so they were fat. So even though Philistines didn't like him and they would rather buy from their own people, I don't want to buy from Abraham. I want to buy from Joe the Philistine. Where is he? He headed east three days ago looking for water. Okay. Where's Abraham? Right there, same place he always is, 9, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Advantages. The Lord gave me an idea last year. It came from the Lord. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to come up. I would have never done that. I, I hated preachers who did stuff like check the news. Like, just preach. You're a minister. You didn't check, check in the news. Leave that to the news. The Lord gave me an instruction in March. People are troubled. Deal with their spirits. When you teach in the day, and then take them through the news at night with, through the lens of faith that everything's not going to burn up. It's not time for that yet. They're going to make it. This will come to an end. They're not all going to detention camps. Every Walmart's not going to be a concentration camp. They're not going to have to be forced to get a digital implant in their hand. That's not now. Show them the way through. Show them that COVID's not going to kill 4 million people in the U.S. by the end of 2020. And that, and then I'll even tell you that, then the first episode I did a Check the News, I went to hold up a Christian book to give it away. And as I grabbed it, I felt the Lord speak to me, these people don't want books, they want T-shirts. So we just made up the Rodney Howard Brown T-shirt on the fly. You arrested my friend. And I don't even want to know how many... T-shirts go in and out of this place. Hundreds of pounds delivered every week of T-shirts. Filling up our hallways from one look through the windows of heaven. And then, and then, I thought the Check the News would stay separate from the preaching. But then now, Check the News has become an intake valve where all these people come to church and get saved that have never been to church. A new friend I made in Texas came up on Friday and said, 
I want you to know I found you on Check the News November 4th. I'm a Mormon, but I've left the Mormon church now. And I'm not a Christian, but I tell everybody Jonathan Shuttlesworth is my pastor. I said, man, that's great, but let's work on the Christian part too. Come tomorrow night, and when I give the altar call, come up and pray with me. He said, I will. He did. He was there Sunday morning and Sunday night, and he's, he's, our, he's on his way to heaven. I had two parents introduce their teenagers to me. We couldn't get our teenagers to come to church. They heard you on Check the News, and they started watching, and then they wanted to come tonight, and they had come to the altar and gotten saved. When I finished speaking with them, two teenagers introduced me to their parents. We could never get our parents to come to church, but they watched Check the News with us, and they wanted to come, and they got saved tonight. From one idea through the windows of heaven. When you tithe, God gives you revelation pertinent to what he's called you to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. It it's real. It works if you'll do what it says. It's so simple. If you give me 10% of what you have, I'll give you 100% of what I have. And I have everything. <laughs> if I sat at a table with Warren Buffett, who has way less money than God. And he said, Jonathan, if you'll make a point every time you get money to give me 10% of it, I'll start giving you access to my accounts. You'd be a, a real fool to start arguing about the 10%. Here it is. And God owns everything. All the silver, all the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills. He just wants to see whether you believe him. God's greatest insult is to be doubted. And his greatest pleasure in a generation of mockers is for a man to say, I believe you. Number six. Your tithe secures divine favor for you. Joseph. Read the life of Joseph. Just write that. Number six, my tithe secures divine favor. Read about Joseph. One of the beneficiaries of Abraham's tithe. Make him a slave, he becomes head slave. Put him in prison, he becomes the warden. Then he, one day, the word of the Lord comes to pass. He went to sleep one night in prison, and he went to sleep the next night as prime minister of the most powerful nation in all the world with no election. By the favor of God. Favor. Just lift your hands where you're at right now and say, Thank you, Lord, for divine favor. 
the man that owned our second office that sold it to us. These people haven't paid. For some reason, I just thought about you guys. What was the some reason? Favor. In the comments, Paul said false information. He's picking and choosing verses to satisfy his flesh, fleshly ways. You'd have to at least admit, I've picked a lot of verses. A lot of verses. I could pick about 1,500 more. 500 scriptures on faith. 500 scriptures on prayer. 2,000 on wealth, tithing. Offerings, stewardship, financial blessing. This guy needs a lot of money. You can tell he's begging. Paul, I don't. Your mother gave it all to me. I got it all from your mom. Number seven. Number six, your tithe secures divine favor for you. Number seven, your tithe secures divine favor for your children to the fourth generation. The tithe, Hebrews 7, was credited to Levi because he was in Abraham when Abraham paid tithes. Every battle that you've had to fight your children will never have to fight because they have a mom or a dad that's securing God's favor on their life ahead of time. Number eight, Abraham, the land that you're now living in as a foreigner, I'm giving it to you as your possession and the possession of your descendants forever. Number eight, tithing qualifies you for land ownership. The righteous, I want you to write this down. The righteous shall inherit the land. Is that Psalm 34, 19? Nope. Sorry, 37, 19. Thirty-seven twenty-nine. Thanks, guys. The godly will possess the land. And will live there forever. The godly will possess the land. 
I want you to write that down. Psalm 37, 29. The righteous will possess the land. Look at all the people. You've watched me teach for five straight days with no, nobody contradicting anything I say. And then you start getting on tithing and every devil pops out. Every time. The devil hates the tithe, hates it, because it takes you out of his control. You don't have to go to him for money. He can't take the money you have. You don't, you don't have to vote for abortion so you can get a welfare check. You don't have to vote for wicked people so you can get government assistance. You don't need him. The righteous will possess the land. I want you to write that down. The righteous shall possess the land. Land ownership. It sadly took me 30-some years of living before that scripture popped out at me. Write this down, number eight, under number eight. Every person God made a covenant with in the Bible, he turned land over to them. Write that down. Every person... God made a covenant within the Bible. He turned land over to them. I'm not going to keep you on here all day, but let, let me finish this and I'll leave you alone for the weekend. Every person God made a covenant within the Bible, he turned land over to them. Noah, Abraham, David, Moses... Adam, the first gift God gave to man was land. Made him a garden. I'm giving you their land. Abraham paid tithes. The land that you're now living in as a foreigner, I'm giving it to you. You can claim that. The righteous shall possess the land, not pay rent on the land. Not ask heathen people if we can have some land to live on and, and we, we pay you. Every person God made a covenant with in the Bible, God turned land over to them, then right under that, under that, this. I am in covenant with God. My tithe puts me in covenant with God. It's an active covenant. You don't just, well, I'm in covenant with God now and I'm done. No, you stay in covenant with God. There's things you do. As soon as that revelation popped, I, I leased everything, rented everything. I had nothing. And that's when all, all land and buildings started coming into our possession. Two apartments, two office buildings. And I'm just getting warmed up. And it, in, in three years, from one revelation, everyone in the Bible that God made a covenant with, he turned land over to them. I'm in covenant with God. I have a right to possess the land. All by, all by his word. Susan said we had three lots handed over to us at the end of 2020. That's how it goes. It's an anointing to take land. And you need land. Spirits are territorial. And territorial spirits can't operate on land that you own. Devil fights land. 
Every war that's going on on planet Earth right now is over land. Well done, Kimberly. Great scriptures. Number nine. The tithe produces restoration. The thief must refund what he stole. When you're, in, when you're in covenant with God, the tithe puts you in covenant with God. So if you've lost, the tithe will cause there to be restoration. Sarah couldn't have any babies. When Abraham paid tithes, he said, I'm going to make your wife have a baby. He lost his childbearing years. He lost the ability to raise a son, and he got it all back. The tithe produces restoration. Wow, Lacey, you made my day. Thanks for all the kind comments. Number 10, tithers protect their nation. And I already dealt with it. You're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. If we're all tithing in America, and God said, when you tithe, I'll rebuke the devourer, then Satan's plan to devour a nation is rebuked by tithers. He can't get us afraid of the economy. He can't get us uh, to sell out what we hold dear so that the World Economic Forum will take care of us. We're already taken care of. We screw up the United Nations plans like Abraham screwed up the Philistines' plans. They can make their plans, but tithers are a wall of protection for their whole nation. They make the economy work when other people are trying to make it not work because you live in a land and it's causing wealth to flow when they're trying to stop the flow of wealth. That's why the rapture has to happen first before the Antichrist can do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. Man, I'm heading in into this weekend with joy in my heart. If God is for me, who can be against me? My tomorrow's going to be all right. Say to the righteous, all will be well. They will receive a well-earned reward. Hallelujah. Abraham, I will protect you, and your reward will be great. Praise God. Wherever you're watching me right now, your nation is privileged to have you there. You don't need them to protect you. They actually need you to protect them. They think we're a problem. As soon as they take us out of here, as soon as that trumpet sounds, the whole thing's going to cave in on itself in seven years. But while we're here, they can't do it because God is in us and around us and for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. I see restoration coming your way. I see open doors coming your way. I see land and property coming your way. I see you having the best year you've ever had. In Jesus' name. What a wonderful God. The great I am.
If I were you, I would take the notes you took today, and if you didn't take them writing down, I'd copy them in my Bible, whatever Bible you use, and I'd read over it before you go to give. Every time. And just because you should give in faith, and you should give with expectation. The widow in 1 Kings 17 didn't know about that, so Elijah made her focus her faith. Listen, give the cake, and when you do, that cruise of oil and jar of meal will not fail. He got her into expectation. I, want, I never, ever want people to give because it's time to give. I believe in what they're doing. Great. I want you to give in faith to God with an expectation. My, my, my obedience in giving is opening up a world to me, a wonder world. I'll just start hearing stuff like this normally. Where are we going to put all that? I don't need a motorcycle. I don't even ride motorcycles. Why did they give us that? That kind of stuff. The power of the tithe. Amen in Swaziland. The head and not the tail. Two comedians moved out to California from New York. Jerry Seinfeld, and I can't remember who the other one was. The other one was Irish. He said after he saw Jerry Seinfeld a month after they had both moved, man, apartments are expensive around here. I found one for such and such an amount of rent. Were you able to find one? Jerry Seinfeld said, I bought that apartment. He said, what do you mean you bought that apartment? And Jerry Seinfeld said, Jews don't rent. I got a revelation from him saying that. Jews don't rent. The seed of Abraham doesn't rent. We own. It's not even in our vocabulary. We, we possess the land. That's your spiritual DNA. You don't have to pray for it, just tithe. The person that prays six hours a day for God to bless them and all that and is shaky on the tithe will get far surpassed by the person who just tithes and says, thank you, Lord, that everything you said you'd do in your word is true. That's cool, Jennifer. You post posted all the, all the notes on the app. When I obeyed God and gave that $40,000 to the church I preached at and the guy gave me $150,000 10 days later, I never prayed one time. Lord, Noah, you know that I needed that offering and I gave it, but I don't believe in you. No, my tithe speaks, my giving spoke that I believe him. And it just comes. Return to me in the tithe and the offering. See if I won't open up the windows. Prayer is not involved in that. You pray for other things. Pray for people. There's a lot of things to pray for, but you never have to pray for money if you honor God in the tithe and the offering. Never. You'll never have to pray for a financial need again. I'm telling you right now, I prophesy in Jesus' name, you'll never, ever 
have to pray about finances the rest of your life. Father, thank you for blessing us today. We love you. Thank you for your word that is true. What an awesome, awesome, awesome God. You've, you've surpassed, far surpassed. My wildest expectations. I don't even have words, so thank you for tongues. I bless everyone watching. If you have children in the hospital, I command them to come out of that hospital. I command them to be healed. If you're sick, I command you to be healed. I command everything that re represents the hand of the devourer in your life to be rebuked right now. In Jesus, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. That's a great scripture, Mark. I've never, I once was young, I now was old. I'm old. I've never seen, never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. Amazing, Pat. I remember Pat came up to me at the altar in, in, in Maui. I gave an offering of three. I'm reading what he wrote in the public comments. I gave an offering of 300 in Maui when you were there. I received $600 as I was leaving and got an increase in my pay at work. That's how it works. God will never owe anybody anything, ever. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. I know people want to. What the Lord has already spoken into your heart to give, here's how to give. And don't give unless you have an expectation of a harvest. What are you believing God to do for you? Begin to thank him for it as you sow. Here's the ways you can give on Facebook. Hashtag donate. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app. Dollar sign RT give. If you're international, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. If all that is confusing, the simplest way is just to go to revivaltoday.com and click Give Now. You can mail to PO, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you prefer talking to somebody... You can call us, 412-446-2332. However you give, please claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim your offer, because not all the ways tell us your address, and we don't know where to mail it to. So please do that. If you're waiting on something that didn't arrive, don't just, I know most of you are like super nice. You're like, well, whether it arrives or not. I, no, 
I want to send it to you. So if something, I'm not talking like three days ago. I'm talking if it's been a while, contact our office. Figure out where the problem is. My guess would be the U.S. Postal Service. You're not at fault. I'm not at fault. They're at fault. I like blaming them. I'm going to send this to everybody that sows the seed today. Three books from yesterday. Before you put the books up, this is the first one I ever wrote. Financial Overflow, 10 Bible Principles to Unlock Heaven's Unending Supply. I really wanted to let people know 10 things I changed out of the Word of God. Additions and subtractions I made to my life that took us from a negative bank balance to, to a million-dollar account. I'll send that to everybody that gives today. Please read it. It's my way of saying thank you. It's not your harvest from God. These are thank you gifts. You're not giving to get the books. You're giving to secure an open window of heaven over your life. These are, this is just my way of saying I don't take it for granted. Book two. Understanding financial prosperity. Just like Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne will change your life in the realm of healing, that book will change your life to the same magnitude in the area of finances. And then number three, I got this book when I was in Bible school and it got me on the right path. 31 Reasons People Do Not Receive Their Financial Harvest by Mike Murdoch. Fabulous book, life changer. Anyone that does 500 or more, I'll send you this Revival Today Covenant Partner Bible that I preach out of that I'm holding in my hand. Genuine leather from Paul's Leather. It's a beauty. Great preaching Bible. Anyone that does 1,000 or more, as we've done for three years, I'll send you the Dake Annotated Reference Bible. 33,000 study notes from a full gospel perspective. $1,000 seat will get you a great study Bible and a great preaching Bible, along with all the other books. My way of saying thank you, because I don't take it for granted that you work hard and all that, and you honor God, and you chose us as your altar to sow, to stand with us to preach the gospel. I really love you, and I really thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks again, Pat. I'll give you one more minute to give. Banned from YouTube for two weeks. Help me get the word out today. Start getting in the habit of watching me on our app, revivaltoday.tv. Or you can go to the App Store or Google Play, Revival Today. Great layout. You can minimize the app and the audio still plays, which unless you subscribe... For $9 a month on YouTube Red, you can't do on YouTube. You can't do on Facebook. And there's more improvements coming to it this year. Thank you, Sheila. God bless you. Thank you, Christy. Love you, Barbara. Mahalo to you, Christy, and your husband, Mark. Love you all so much. 
Thank you for your giving. They're going to leave the ways to give up on the screen. Why don't you play, how much was left in that message that we played? Yeah, I'm just going to have them play the rest of that message. So you can log off when you want, but um, this message is worth hearing, and you'll get, get some laughs. I love you very much. I will see you tonight on Check the News. Kimberly said, I've been a partner for years, so thankful that God put the Shuttlesworth family in my path. That means a lot. It means a lot. Just keep thinking about what you didn't have. I didn't have a mother to pay for my college. My grandmother, that's 94 years old down in Texas, her, old, her youngest sister that died 30 years before her, you could have listened to her when she was 65, 70 years old, talking about our mother never gave us anything. You're 70! <laughs> what did she have to give you? It was the 1800s. Yeah, you know, it's like 1990. My mother didn't give me anything. What, you want a wagon? <laughs> what, did you, what did you want her to give you? 70. If you don't break that mentality, the same way you'll be whining when you're 20, you'll be whining when you're 65. But if you'll break that mentality and instead use your mouth to say, I'll bless the Lord at all times, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself. If God be for me, tell me who can be against me. And I want to tell you today, God is for you. God's hand is on your life. The same God that took Abraham to the top will take you to the top in Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive that, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm coming out and I'm going up. Wherever you started, you can finish on top. Nobody follows this book and stays low. It's not possible. I said, it's not possible. When this word comes alive in you and you act on it, it'll break every chain. I don't care if it's been in your family for 500 years, it'll stop with you. And your children will never know any battles that you've had to fight because a new chapter will begin because you don't come from this earth. You're born of above. Say what Jesus said. You are from below. Say it out loud. You are from below. I am from above. It's the whole message of the communion. Those that eat my flesh and drink my blood, they will live like me. You'd have to have mental problems to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and think Jesus was struggling. Jesus, there's a, his, his disciples that were humans. You know, human thinking. Hey, Jesus, the people are getting hungry, so let, let's... Uh, Get out of here. <laughs> no, let's feed them. Feed them. It'll cost, it'll cost several thousand dollars to feed this many people. I mean, it would cost a lot of money. It would cost hundreds of thousands, if not. You're going to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And women and children are always more at any full gospel meeting. 
So if there were 5,000 men, think how many women and children there were. And that was back in 2,000 years ago when people had kids instead of dogs. I'm a dog mom, aren't you? They're like our children. You got all these, these men, women, and kids. What did Jesus say? Yeah, we need to get out of that. That would be a lot of money. Tell them to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Yeah, but all we, well, we don't have anything. Well, we do have one boy gave us five loaves and two fish. And Jesus took it and he thanked God for it and blessed it and began to break it and the food never ran out. Now, I don't know how anybody can read that scripture and ever split a check again at a restaurant. The last time I ever split a check at a restaurant was before that scripture came alive to me that Jesus, Jesus didn't every man for himself with 5,000 men, not counting women and children. You're going to eat. You. <laughs> I was listening. There were two other ministers when I was preaching in Oklahoma because I think everyone's a minister there. Literally everyone I sat next to at a restaurant, they were talking about the ministry. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> two ministers eating at a cafe, not Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, not Capitol Grill, a cafe. And only one guy got, the one guy was like older, you know, so he got like half, like a soup and half a sandwich. Sorry, I, I'm sounding kind of nosy, even as I'm telling this story, paying attention to what they're doing. And the other guy ordered just like regular meal, no appetizer, no dessert. Two checks, two checks. You can't pay for that guy's $9, both of you. And then you're planning about the ministry. I mean, let me just tell you from the other table, none of you are going to do anything for the Lord. You know why? Because you're cheap. And the Lord doesn't like cheapness. It's a stench in his nostrils. You want to know why? Because the Bible says, consider the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were mined. Was Abraham cheap? Abraham, as an old man, stood outside of his tent looking for people to feed. Just like Jesus with the multitude. It's all the same seed. It's the same bloodline. We're not cheap people. We're generous people. Can you say amen? Can you say it better? Amen. If you'll start doing that, it'll actually break. I mean, I'm not saying you have to start paying for somebody's banquet. But just take a little step today, like paying for lunch for, for a, one friend. Yeah, but then, I mean, think about it. If life comes down to you needing that $11, it's pretty much over anyway. It's a mentality to just hold and hoard. You don't get to the top by keeping everything. The richest man who ever lived, Solomon said, there's he that keepeth more than he should, and it doesn't tend to riches, it tendeth to poverty. But there's he that giveth and increases all the more. Our father Abraham was a giver, an addicted giver. Stood out on the edge of his tent and saw strangers. Hey, have you had anything to eat? No, but we have to go. I won't let you go until I feed you. Let my wife make you some bread. What? Sarah, you got to make them some bread. 
Poor Sarah's like a 90-year-old new mother. She goes to her church's preschool program. She's 75 years older than everyone. Everybody say, Abraham was a giver. He was a big giver. Abraham, give me Isaac. And he, that he left right in the morning. Took his son right up to lay him on the altar. Just like God said. And as soon as, God did, as soon as he did that, God said, now I got this guy. This guy I can trust. He'll give me anything. Leave your son alone. There's a ram in the thicket. Sacrifice him instead. And he did. Isaac sowed in the midst of a famine. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you read him, prospering. The Bible says when Abraham paid tithes, it was accredited to Levi three more generations down because Levi was in him. Giving is powerful. One thing you better break as a Christian, especially a minister, is see this is offering time because there's expenses of the building. I'm telling you, I'll have money out to give. I know a lot of people, I give in every offering. I do not give in every offering. If somebody starts talking down about the offering, uh, you ain't gonna get one penny out of me. And if I put anything in, I'll just run back, grab it out of the brown bag before they make it to the bank. <laughs> I don't like when things are presented. How many know, just like your house has bills, this church has bills. That's not why we give. Abraham didn't sacrifice Isaac because God needed a kid. <laughs> Abraham, think of it. Well, if you're going to follow what your father Abraham did, think of this. Because everybody likes to shout and clap and dance about the blessing of Abraham. But it's not automatic. Jesus said, if you are of your father Abraham, the proof will be you will do the works. Everybody say, do the works. Do the works. I know Jesus said that. He probably didn't have a great revelation on grace, but I'm still going to go with it. <laughs> if you are of your father Abraham, you, the proof is that you'll do the works. It's one thing to believe it. It's one thing to speak it, and you need to believe it and speak it. But the proof is doing the works that Abraham did. Was Abraham a tither? then if you're not, shut up about his blessing. You're disqualified. There's no side way into it. You have to, God is not a respecter of persons. You do what someone did, you get what they got. Why do you think the Bible is just laced with stories, not only telling you that men were old and healthy and strong in old age, or very rich in silver and gold, it tells you how they got there. So if you repeat the steps, and that is that conjecture, it's the scripture I started out with, where God's telling you, hey, all you that need deliverance, I need a financial breakthrough. No, you don't. You need to remember, A, the identity of where you come from. B, you need to consider what they did, and that's my lineage. I'm a giver. Everybody say, I'm a giver. Say out loud, I bring food. I don't take food home. You just start breaking stuff like that. You quit being the person at church that brings their own styrofoam container. You're a half step away from having your own episode of hoarders. Everybody say, I'm a giver. You think I'm joking? Just on principle. Don't, 
just start breaking everything that's like that. The last time you private messaged people on Instagram that you could use some money, if anyone knows someone who has a truck, cut that out of your life. Don't look for what you can take. Look for where you can sow, and you'll never lack another day in your life. I said you'll never lack another day in your life. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'll never be broke another day in my life. Now lift both hands and begin to thank God that it's so. If Pastor Rodney gives me the privilege to, to speak again, and I wouldn't blame him if he didn't, but if he, if he does, I'll talk to you about Abraham's mentality. Abraham was the only righteous man in an entirely pagan land, the land of the Philistines. What did Abraham spend all his time doing? Sharing stories on Instagram about the wicked things the Philistines had planned? No, he got busy taking their land, taking their gold, taking their silver, acquiring everything he could acquire, and laying up an inheritance for his family. If you're worried about Joe Biden, you're not of Abraham's seed. I'm going to tell you right now. I prospered when Obama was president. I prospered when Trump was president. I'll prosper when whoever's president now is president. I'll prosper after the one after that. If they elect Lucifer, if they elect Mickey Mouse, it's not going to affect me because my blessing doesn't come from Washington, D.C. My blessing comes from above. Christians, I mean, Joe, Joe Biden got sworn in. You, you thought Jesus died. You see, Biden got, I'm just very depressed today. Well, you're not a very smart person. I'm just worried about what Joe Biden's going to do. Really? You look at Joe Biden and he makes you worry? I, but I feel like he had, he's going he, to do this and I think he's going to come against the church. Have you looked at him? He's not. You don't. You should relax. If I tried to get worried and watched him walk to the podium, I would get unworried. I have a funny feeling a guy's not going to block my blessing that goes like… What am I signing today? Let me tell you, if you look at him, if you're worried about an 80-year-old man ruining your church, you don't have one ounce of what's in that book in your spirit. Abraham didn't come overcome people that were in mid-stage dementia. Abraham overcame a nation called Philistia. He, he increased in livestock, in silver, in gold. There was nothing they could plan against him that God wouldn't upend those plans. And the Bible says you should consider where you came from. Amen. Christians are some interesting people. There's a, there's a person that messages me on Instagram that was in one of my meetings. I won't say what state because I'm not trying to shame the person. I got so irritated with her because she, she was flipping out. 
about the election and you know, if Trump doesn't overturn it, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not saying this to mock her. I'm saying this to make a point. She's homeless. She's homeless. She was homeless all four years under Trump. She's homeless now. What if, if Trump getting in is your secret? To, you were homeless for four years under You were homeless under Obama. You were homeless under Bush. At some point, you need to wake up and realize the president is not the problem. Me need to sort out some problems. And Abraham realized if he walked a straight path with God, if every devil inside and out of hell made it their business to stop him, you can't bless what God has cursed and you can't curse what God has blessed. And I tell you right now, you are not cursed. You are blessed of the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth. Shout it so Satan can hear you. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. Say, God has blessed me. me. I've never seen, you know, I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. I've never seen such a group of people that can shout and get the victory. And and then leave, leave and watch one news story. Did you hear Joe Biden canceled the XL Keystone Pipeline? Are you an oil worker? (laughs) That's what that lady messaged me. They canceled the oil pipeline. You're homeless. You don't have any power. I don't mean like power in the spirit. I'm saying, you don't, if they cut all fuel, it won't affect you. I'm not mocking home. Why are you worried about the Keystone Pipeline as a homeless person? That's a mental problem. And a lot of Christians have that same mental problem. Biden's already cut 70,000 jobs. He hasn't cut my job. And I pray the Lord raises our ministries up where you start employing the people who need work. I don't care what they're planning. I'm going to work the plan that God gave me. Come on, if that sounds like you, take 15 good seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God. The devil is defeated. I said the devil is defeated. Can you shout amen? amen? You may see it. Say it out loud. Abraham, Abraham. Was, an was an addicted giver. He gave to God and he gave to people. He honored people. He was a giver. Gave and gave and gave. Just like God. Gave and gave and gave till he gave his own son. And if that nature is not in you, you can quote scriptures all you want. You'll be broke your whole life. There's no sidestepping love-fueled giving. Giving out of a heart of love for God and his kingdom. I sow the bulk of my money here. And as you can see, it's not because the place needs a new roof. Or because I really feel bad for Pastor Rodney. I honor God with my wealth. I like to give a place where they speak something encouraging as you're giving. Where they tell me that I have a right to expect a harvest from my seed. Can you say amen? Amen. Ask the Lord what would represent your Abrahamic covenant seed to something. It ain't five dollars. That's all I have. Don't believe you. We're not at a refugee settlement like I've been to to preach. That's different. Nobody in this, you know, people argue with you on Facebook. 
I don't have that kind of money. Do you realize we're having this conversation on a $1,200 device? Might not have it now, but you had it at some point. I used to preach youth meetings in my early 20s. Our teenagers don't have any money. What do they do? Steal their Jordans? Now, one kid in the youth group has a pair of shoes on under $200. They don't have any money. When you're broke, all you see is poverty. I had a minister I was preaching for tell me there's no money in this city as we were driving by a Maserati dealership. So I, pointed, I said, are only people from outside the city allowed to shop here? Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah, and you, you don't notice it. Because if the devil, well, there's no money, the economy's bad. No, it's not. All the money that's ever been on planet Earth, all the oil, all the gold, it's all here right now. And when you serve the Lord, it's like you have a supernatural magnet on you that attracts it to your life. Everybody say Abrahamic seed. You can't lay a son on the altar and you put five bucks on the altar and think you're heading in the same direction. You know, if you're, if you're like nine, that's different. But if you're over nine, you got to up the level place I was preaching recently. The, now, it's one thing. It's nice enough for a, a, a pastor to invite you to his church. And then he gave the first night in the offering, him and his wife, out of their church, $10,000 in the offering. I'm not, very rare people. And that night, not knowing, this, this happened recently. That night, not knowing what they gave. A lady who had never done anything like this before came up to the pastor and said, I feel to give something to your church. That night, $77,000. So when they told me that, they weren't upset that they gave $10,000. And said, could we have our $10,000 back? We feel like you tricked us. If you put God first in your giving like Abraham did, the windows of heaven come open. And the only problem financially you have for the rest of your life is having enough room to take it all in. That's what God said. God's not a liar. And he said, try it. Everybody say, try it. And let me prove it to you. So the offering's your, your chance to try it. He who sows nothing is guaranteed to get nothing. He who sows sparingly, that's little crappy offerings. That's old English for little crappy offerings. He who sows sparingly will guarantee to reap little harvest, little, un little unnoticeable seeds, Stuff you don't even feel when you give it guarantees harvest you don't feel when you receive it. But he who sows generous when you feel, when your blood pressure goes up, when you walk to the buckets and one eye starts to turn red, you lose like half your field of vision momentarily, you're on the right track. When you have to fight your one hand to let it go, you're on the right track. He who sows generously guarantees a generous harvest. You want to know something? The offering right now affords you the ability to not wait to see what 2021 brings you, but to guarantee what 2021 will bring you because you sowed the seed to guarantee the harvest. <laughs> Lift both hands to the Lord. Every person who obeys the voice of the Spirit that speaks to you to give what would be a generous, an Abrahamic covenant seed for you today. I pray as a harvest that any debt or financial problem that's trying to follow you from 2020 into this new year, the Lord will detach it from your life. 
cancel medical debt, cancel legal debt. If you went to prison before you were saved and you still have legal stuff hanging over your head, any kind of weight, any hindrance that would try to follow you out of 2020 into 2021, the Lord will detach it. And then the Lord will open the windows of heaven like he did for that great pastor that sowed that generous seed and then reaped 7.7 fold in two hours. And then that, that's only the beginning because Jesus didn't say you'll get 7.7 fold back. He said you'll get a hundred fold. So it'll keep producing. It's the difference between having to take a loan to expand your building or to buy new property or paying for it cash. It's all done on giving and receiving. Sow and then reap. And if you take care of the sowing, you never have to worry about the reaping. And that'll be your story for the rest of your life in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Welcome, Pastor Eric, to receive the offering. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.